Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message.
you would go with me and stand for the reading of the word to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and then here in just a moment, we're going to go over to Genesis chapter 32 and read some in there about this shady character named Jacob. Philippians 1, starting at verse 3, I thank my God in all remembrance of you always, offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Brother Happy, would you bless the word this morning? Amen. Again, thank you for being here. If we have any guests, thank you. I know, it's again, it's beautiful to look out there and see our kids running around in Children's Church again. And this Wednesday, uh, we're going back to completely normal. Uh, we're going to have Kids Church, uh, Youth Church, uh, and then Sanctuary Church. We'd love to see some of y'all get back here on Wednesday nights. I've missed you. But every time that we have any kind of ch kids, church, anything like that, uh, someone will be at the front door, and we're going to be doing the temperature checks of our kids before we send them back into Children's Church, so that's going to be a precaution that we take. But uh, I want to continue today on this guy by the name of Jacob. We've looked at him over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to look at him today and then probably end Jacob next week. But I love the fact that Paul said, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Again, one of the things I've hit on the last couple of weeks is you are not a finished product. You, God is not finished with you, but he is going to get the job done eventually. So to all of our spouses, that makes them happy that one day God's going to get us where he needs us. But I want us to go over to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32, and I'm going to start at verse number 1, and Connie, you don't have these. But here Jacob is getting ready to head down another spiral road that he's just going to self-inflict on himself. But it says, now as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. Jacob said when he saw them, this is God's camp. So he named that place. Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau into the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He also commanded them, saying, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants. I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. 
the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau, and furthermore, he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. For he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the company which is left will escape. So here Jacob again is preparing to face his enemy. He's being forced. God is making him go back and settle his affairs with his brother. And this is what we might call the reality check for Jacob. This is Jacob going to have to face the music, and he's fearful. He is scared. And here's what I, I find amazing about Jacob. He's got himself in situations after situations after situations. But Jacob is still scheming. He is still planning. He's still trying to do it Jacob's way instead of God's way. Still the same old Jacob. And what another betraying deed he is about to commit because this story fascinates me. To save his own skin, he is willing not only to sacrifice Chip or his servants, but he's willing to even part with his family to save himself. Dads, that ain't a real man. He's ready to sacrifice part of his family. How low can a man sink to save himself that he would go this far? And this is what happens when a person strays from God. This is what happens when a person gets out of the perfect will of God and gets themselves in messes. This is what happens when we're not walking in the light of Christ. They may come to a place that they are willing to sacrifice their own family and not even feel guilt about it, Adam. Jacob is so eager to protect himself in this moment that he's willing to have his own children, Leah and Rachel, his wives, and other people of his company, as long as Jacob gets to live. That, I mean, this is it. Jacob is nearing the rock bottom of his walk away from God. You can't get much lower than selling your own family out to protect yourself. But this is the moment right here where Jacob's going to start going uphill. There's a dip right here, and from this point on, God is going to have his way with Jacob. Jacob, he's basically saying, this is far enough. You've messed it up enough. You can't go much further. The Lord kind of is saying, I've given you all the leeway, I've, and all you've done has gotten worse and worse and done bad to bad to bad. There's nothing good coming out of this because you're sinking deeper and deeper. Now, it's my turn, Jacob, and I'm going to do the real work in your life. I don't ever want to get to that place to where... God says, that's it. It's my turn. The first step, the first step is that you are going to have to come back, Jacob, and you're going to have to walk in the light. Jacob, to do that, you're going to have to settle the sin that got you on this wrong path many, many years ago. You're going to have to come and face Brother Esau. 
You're going to have to come back and face the original sin that got you in this place. Remember, we said it last week. One sin will lead to another sin. We've got to keep sinning to make up for the sin. Have you been straying from God? People say no. But I think a lot of times we don't even realize it. But was it a year ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago? You remember it well when you begin that straight from God. You remember what happened. It's something that you never, ever forget. You stepped out of God's will for your life. And from that time on, it just kind of looks like dominoes, how your life has fell apart. Nothing but trouble, nothing but problems, nothing but frustrations, nothing but just pure hell unleashed on your life. That's what happens when we walk out of the light of God and into the darkness of the world. You know full well the Lord allows it, but the Holy Spirit will not let us forget it. Remember last week, one unsettled sin leads to another, and I made the comment that nothing is settled until it is settled right. The Lord is saying, Jacob, look, if you want to start walking in the light again, you have to go face the initial sin that you committed. You have to come out and face it in the light. I think that's the problem with a lot of us. We don't like to face the sin. We, we want to let pride get in the way, and it just keeps knocking us down as we walk in this world. If you want to get it right, you've got to do it right, and you've got to bring your sin to the light. I shared with somebody a couple weeks ago, they, they, they kind of shared some of their heart with me, and I told them, I, and this is where the enemy wants to keep you. If I keep my sin inside of me, and I never admit it, I never say it, I'm walking in darkness. But if I say, if I say, Chipper, I'm struggling with this. Rob, I'm struggling with this. This is my sin. Guess what? You've brought it out into the light, and the enemy cannot hold it over you any longer. It's out. Now listen to me. Be careful who you let it out in the light to. We need to keep in mind that, that God judges and he brings us to repentance for good, for good reasons. And one is for vindication of his name. And the other is for our own welfare. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Nobody likes getting whipped, right? There ain't no kids in here today. They don't even know what that means. But all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of, his, of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So basically that scripture is saying we face the sin, we confess the sin, and the Bible says that Jesus is true and just to forgive us of our sins. Then the blood of Christ can cleanse you and we can continue to walk in the light. Then 
what happens, God will begin to fulfill his purpose in our lives. It is hard for God to fulfill his purpose in our life when we're trying to do it the Jacob way on our own and not walking in the path that God has for us. Think about it. For God to fulfill the purpose that he had declared years earlier in and through Jacob, Jacob had to go back and face the sin. You and I, I look around the room and most of us know Jesus Christ. And I've been here before and I'm sure you have too. But if we step out of the will of God, if we step out of the way of God, no matter if it's 30 years ago or if it just happened, one thing we will find out is that God will help us face our sin and God will help us clear it up. Then we can operate again and we can walk in His will. And I know that that's hard because God is God and God's going to get finished in us what He wants to finish. Isaiah chapter 46. I'm not going to be long this morning, but if I don't start getting some amens, I may go another three or four pages of notes. I may write some new ones while I'm up here. I miss my kids now. The kids have been in here a couple of weeks. I listen to y'all. Nova Lee and Sawyer, they're back. I ain't got no amens over here today. But Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 through 11 says, Remember the former things long past. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. We cannot stop the plan of God. Stop getting so frustrated with politics right now. God's got a plan, and surely He's going to do it. Because when God determines to do something, whether it's in the world or in our life, and He purposes to do something through a Christian's life, God is going to finish it. The longer we resist... The further we go like Jacob, back and back and back, stepping in and out of his will. But God revealed to Jacob that, that he had provided a, an invisible, protective care for him. Back in Genesis 32, verse 1 and 2, he says, Now as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. And Jacob said when he saw them, This is God's camp. So he named it Mahanaim, or whatever that word is. But God in His grace, think about this. God in His grace tells Jacob, through all the mess, through all the, the frustrations, through all the messes, He says, Jacob, you're going to have to face your sin. You're going to have to go clear things up with your brother. I know you've hurt him. I know he wants to hurt you. But you have to go and get Esau's forgiveness. But listen, Jacob, this is good stuff. I'm telling you that I've got an army that's on your side. Don't panic. I'm with you. Even in your repentance, even in your mess up, I am still with you, and I'm sending an army to walk with you to go repent of your sin. Now think about that. He says, I'm surrounding you with my angels 
to go make amends for the mess that you made many, many years ago. Church, that's powerful. That is powerful to think that God cares for us so much that years and years and years after our sins, after all of our mess-ups, that his plan is still intact. And he says, I'm not only going to send you back there, but I'm going to protect you. Now the Lord is beginning to open Jacob's spiritual eyes. And he tells Jacob, he says, I know you've gone far away from me, but I want you back so much that I've got a host of angels that is going to protect you, to keep you, to help you. So Jacob, don't worry. God actually looks forward to the day of cleansing. It signals new beginnings for Jacob, this man that God loves so deeply. And Jacob recognizes it. And he makes the comment and he says, happy, he says, this is the camp of God. Now, God may be pointing out something to you that you must settle, and some of you are probably even thinking about it right now. And some of us, when we get to that place and God begins to deal with us about it, we begin to say, man, I can't do that. That was years ago. Many years ago, you cringe and say, man, I can't face up to that. We cannot forget that God is our Father and He's on our side. I mean, think about that. He reassures Jacob, certainly it's dangerous to face your brother. I know what he said to you years ago. He made the statement, I'm going to kill him. Of course you're afraid of him. You deceived him. You treated him bad. But my whole army is behind you. Psalm chapter 34 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Hebrews 1.14 says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? He still has an army encamped around about us, protecting us and moving us forward. So with what, I mean, what big steps do we need to take to make things right? Is it something you must settle? And when you think about it, you just get weak? It makes you sick at your stomach. You can't sleep at night. I want you to know you got God at your disposal. Because God loves you as a father. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to him from afar saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. All his army is with you to help you, to strengthen you, to protect you. So you got to go back and face the first enemy. Go back to the place where you failed. You see, we've been told a lie all of our life in church. And it drives me insane. And I don't know if David and Katie remembers this, but years ago we played a game back here and you had to go back and clean up your mess. Y'all remember that? I made you pour out water. But what happens is, what we do when somebody messes up in the church, we tend to think, man, you've got to send them all the way back to the beginning of the line. No, just go clean up your mess. Just go clean up your mess and go on. This isn't about climbing up and down a ladder and going back and restarting and all that. Go back and clean up the mess and move on. 
That's what God calls us to do. He, I mean, he said, confess to your Esau. What hurt Esau? Go back to the first enemy, the place that you failed. He says, I'm with you. And again, hear me, hear me, hear me. Only confess in public what concerns public. Like I just said, confess to your Esau what hurt Esau. (laughs) When no one knows about your sin but you, your body, your life, and your God, confess to your God. (laughs) Because I heard somebody say this one time, and somebody, y'all might want to write this down. Misplaced confession can sometimes hurt worse than the sin. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Poor old Jacob. Poor old Jacob. 20 years earlier, he fled because Esau had said, I'm going to get that brother of mine. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Now those words, I am sure, rang very loud in in little brother Jacob's ears. He's terrified of facing Esau. Who wouldn't be? He came out hairy. He came out a hairy man. Not a kid. He was a man at birth. And now I've got the responsibility to go back and confess sins committed. And I'm scared because all I can hear in my head is I'm going to kill him. But when we have to face up to responsibility for sins committed, we fear. I do. Any normal person fears that. I mean, you never know the reaction. Some people's nice and really saved and they forgive you. (laughs) Some people are fake saved. And they don't like to forgive you. But go back to the place where you failed. The strange thing was, even though God revealed to Jacob that the armies of God were with him, here we go back to the same old, same old Jacob. Jacob never learns. The old schemer, he's still plotting. Jacob, afraid and distressed, what's he do? Well, my plan's better than God's, so let's divide these people into two. Let's go, you know, let's just, this place where where God is, this camp of God, let's put them into two armies, and here's what we're going to do, Happy. You take your army, you go first, and if they kill you, we're going to run. But Jacob learned something, is that he realized that there was only two armies, his little army and the army of God. 
What lessons we can learn from a man named Jacob? Self-confidence blinds us to God's provision. Think about it. We're so self-confident that it blinds us to the provision of God. That was Jacob's problem all of his life. Jacob could not trust God. So what's he do? I'm going to divide my army into two parts. And the old schemer, he just got straight revelation from God. I ain't been right with God all my life, and he's still talking to me. And I've got straight divine revelation from God saying that I'm with you, my army's with you, but I still think my way's better. Let's divide them into two. We laugh at him, but we're the same people today. Straight revelation from God that he's going to be protected, and I cannot and I will not. I can't trust God to work this out because my plan has to be better because I thought it up. We've all done it. We all have a problem, and we bring it to the Lord. We pray, and yet when we finish praying, what do we do? We begin to scheme in our own mind. Let me tell God how I'm going to do this. Y'all don't do that, right? I've got my own thought process here. I know I just talked to you, God, but now I'm scheming, and I'm going to solve this on my own. Over and over again, we begin thinking of the arguments. We're trying to find a way in the flesh, and we're going to settle this problem. Once and for all, we're settling it. But now, at last, for the first time, Jacob does something that he's really never done. Jacob begins to pray for humility. This is actually the first time he's prayed in the whole passage, and it is such a humble prayer. Even then, he starts exaggerating. He tries to start arguments to convince the Lord to still try to make a deal with God. Look at verse 11 of of chapter 32. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, For I fear him, that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. Now he's trying to convince God to protect him. God just said, I'm going to protect you. He really gets carried away. I mean, think about it. Why is this? Why is Jacob getting so dramatic here? Because now Jacob is at the place that his conscience is so guilty that exaggeration is his only way of protection. That's the way it's always been with Jacob. It was part of his lifestyle to use exaggeration and arguments to prove his point. Sound like any of us? No? I didn't think there was those kind of people around here. And then God finally does something. Go to verse third or chapter 33. Verse 1 through 3. Then Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids and their children in front, and Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. But he himself passed on ahead of them and bowed down to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. 
Jacob didn't go in front of the, the whole army, but he did go before Rachel and Joseph, his favorites. He went before them, and the Bible says that he bowed down to the ground seven times. But first of all, he's still sending women and children ahead of him. Such a manly man. His prayer is so touching. Oh, Lord, this violent Esau, he's coming to get these tender women and these children Yet when he takes action, he shields himself with those very women, those very children, in which he professes to have a lot of concern for. He's scheming. He's still working at it. He has prayed, he has met with God, but his habit of scheming is such a part of Jacob's personality that when crisis comes, he jumps right back into character. And I love the Lord's irony here, because after all the days and nights of Jacob whining and crying and scared and anguish and worry, trying to scheme, trying to plan, trying to organize, what a waste of time. Verse 4, then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him. And fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. He lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids came near with their children, and they bowed down. Leah, likewise, came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph came with Rachel, and they bowed down. And he said, What do you mean by all this company which I have met? And he said, To find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Let what, you have, let what you have be your own. Jacob said, no, please, if now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand, for I see your face as one sees the face of God, and you have received me favorably. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have plenty, thus he urged him, and he took it. Two things. He is really working over Esau's ego tremendously here. <laughs> and secondly, he's saying a terrible truth. The people we have wronged, the people that we have wronged always represents God to us until we settle the issues. To see the face of the person he had wronged put so much fear in Jacob that it was like facing God in judgment. But it's so funny to think that he wasted so much time, sleepless nights, planning and scheming. I mean, who knows what all despair Jacob went through knowing that he was going to have to go see his brother. To find out that Esau was going to kiss him and hug him. Esau throws his arms around him and greets him. So the praise team would come back. Church, how many nights 
and days have we wasted foolishly scheming and planning in the flesh? How many years have we wasted? How Jacob-like are we? One thing we've learned from Jacob, it's not worth it. And we just need to come back to the Lord and say, God, what a fool I've been. God, I'm coming back. I'm stripping myself of all my maneuvering and scheming and my thoughts and my ideas. God, just cleanse me through the song that they sung, through the blood of my Lord Jesus Christ. I love this story because God reveals himself as a father. And what a wonderful thing. I mean, and that's my my thing today to us. Why don't we make things right? Why don't we make things right with man and with God? If you've wronged somebody, settle it. Because here's what I've learned in this story more than anything. God changed Esau's heart so when he met Jacob, instead of wanting to murder him, happy, he just simply hugged him. And the very thing that keeps you up, knowing that you need to settle, the very thing that God's dealing with you to settle, who's to say right now that God's not dealing with the other side of that story? Why don't we just let God be the Father of our life? Because our Heavenly Father knows. And one thing I've learned about this story, God will prepare the way for me, much like He did Jacob. (coughs) And if we're like Jacob, look at his life. All these years of scheming and strategizing and, and trying to run from the original sin. And i got to quote it again because I've quoted it the last several weeks, but Genesis 47, 9. At the end of his days, in late age, Jacob says to Pharaoh, the years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. There's no reason to sit up at night frustrated, worried, and trying to scheme to fix something so that at the end of our life we can be like Jacob and say the years of my life have been few and unpleasant. I choose John 10 and 10. Christ has come That we might have life and that we might have it more abundant. Not few and unpleasant. How sad to end life in that way. He wants to love and care for you just like a father. But we've got to stop trying to fool God. 
heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. I just want to end this way today. I want to pray for those who maybe you've come today and you say, Pastor, I don't even know if I'm really in a relationship with God, but I want to be. Maybe you look at your life and you find yourself so far away from God. Or maybe there was something in church that turned you off and you find yourself, you just kind of walked away from the Lord. But today, God is drawing you. I love a verse of scripture in Revelation chapter 3. The Bible says that he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. He just knocks. And he wants to come in. But here's what I love about Christ. He doesn't come in and correct your life and condemn you and point an accusing finger at you. He comes in and He wants to have a relationship with you this morning. Christ wants to have a relationship with you this morning. And if that is you today, I encourage you to answer that call because there's no greater relationship than that than with the Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed, If that's you right now and you say, Pastor Mick, I'm ready to declare Jesus. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I want to be in a relationship. Or maybe you want to come back to God and come into a real relationship with Him. I just want to pray with you right now. But if that's you, would you lift your hand right now and say, that's me. That's me. I want to be in a relationship with God. I see that hand. I see that hand. Listen, Jacob ran all of his life and God still had his hand on Jacob. And I want you to hear me this morning. Those of you that was just raising your hands, all the way back to the beginning of my scripture, Paul said, I am confident of the very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. All of our mess-ups, all of our struggles, all the things that we've went through in life, God's still working on us. And listen to me, your book's not over. You're getting ready to write the next chapter. You're getting ready to write the next chapter in the book of your life. And don't write another chapter without Christ in it. If that's you, and you're ready to write the next chapter of your life, would you come to this altar right now and let me pray with you? Would you come? Would you come? Maybe you don't feel comfortable. Maybe you grab the hand of the person beside of you and just say, will you make this walk with me? I'm ready to write the next chapter of my book. Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com 
on Facebook at facebook.com slash F-O-L-W-C or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.